This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Before I introduce our speaker today, I want to kind of tell you what God did through you as a congregation in 2015. So if you could put it up there, Debbie, what we gave, Women's Ministries gave a total of $10,377 in 2015. Yeah. Men's Ministries gave a total of 5303 to Light for the Lost. God bless you guys. Kids Life did $8,536 to... Uh, BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade, Ignited Youth did $18,404. Wow. And uh, don't get ahead of me too much, Deb. Um, and, uh, you know, I would just say there about the youth, uh, Carrie, Sid, it's time you guys started elevating your game a little bit uh, because you're way behind the youth there. And uh, I, just, I just noticed that. I don't know. Something that you might want to think about for next year or for 2016, because we, we don't want to see the youth embarrassing you guys like that in the men's and women's ministries for 2016, right? Of course, we, we know that all of the youth money came from their mom and dad anyway. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, the next time your teenagers say, hey, we don't have any money, that's probably true because they gave it to speed the light for the missionaries. So we're, we're glad that they don't have any money. All right, and then... For our general missions you guys gave, and this helps support all the missionaries uh, around the world that we support, $430,622. Wow. And uh, some of you might say, well, what are, you, what are you talking about? I'm talking about this is money that um, was over and above the tithe that I just talked about a moment ago. $473,244 that came from this church to the cause. Remember last week I told you about construction, that we did not have our priorities out of line. We give more to missions than we spend on ourselves here. So we thank God for those priorities and how God uses it for his glory. Uh, today we're so honored to have with you, have with us, I should say, our dear friends, uh, Terry and uh, Debbie Wazner, who have been friends with Carrie and me since college days, uh, back when we had hair. Yeah, you and I had hair back then. The women still do. You and I, for some reason, lost it. But that's why I only, I only invite to be guest speakers guys who, who have hair like me. Otherwise, I get jealous of them. So <laughs> his hair was so much like mine. I said, I, I, I can let him come and speak. But Terry has been used of God to reach out primarily what we would call Southeast Asia, what we call in the AG, uh, the Asia-Pacific Rim. And um, it, you're going to hear some incredible stories this morning. For over 33 years, he and his wife have been there. This is one of the proofs that he actually does missions work. This snake weighs 260 pounds. And I saw Terry pick that thing up with, with both, just press it over his head a couple of times and then wrap it around himself like that. How many of you know I'm lying? You know, he, he didn't actually it took five guys to pick that thing up and put it. But I'm just impressed that Terry was able to even hold the thing up at 260 pounds. But that's what he gets to swim with when you get into the river. So you don't get in the river much, do you? Would you give a very warm welcome to our missionary today, Terry Wisner? That's a good reason not to swim in the river, but there's others. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 10. 
let me just say this up front. Thank you, Pastor, for the chance to come. Uh, I spent several weeks rubbing my hair off just so I could get the invitation. I'm glad you noticed that. Uh, actually, Debbie and I will be married 45 years. That's not why I'm bald, by the way. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, but uh, Anyhow, uh, thanks for letting us come, and thank you so much. You and the church, we want to say thank you for supporting us for so many years and allowing us to represent you on the other side of the world. I do want to say this, though. I know the worship team may not be in here after having done two services or busy with other uh, responsibilities somewhere else in the building, but I do want to say this in front of you. Incredible worship team here. And I don't just say that because I'm here. Let me tell you why I know that they're great. I was just in Nashville, Tennessee to preach, and the church runs 3,500 people. And, you know, if you're in Nashville, I tell you, the closer you get to Nashville and you get to preach, the better the music gets. I mean, and you know why? Because they told me afterwards, all the musicians back there that are playing, they're professional musicians for all these country western groups that tour the nation. I mean, some of the top names, these people are playing for them, and they're there at the church playing. I think that's a pretty good testimony right there in itself. And then when the worship leader got up, She's blonde, she's beautiful, long, flowing hair. I immediately put it in my resume after I left the church. Not only did I preach in a big church like that, but Carrie Underwood led the, the singing, you know. Actually, it wasn't, but she's a dead ringer for Carrie Underwood. And, uh, and, and it wasn't Carrie Ayers, by the way, but it was same, you know, same generation of names. Blonde, you know, good-looking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I said, man, I'm putting it in my resume that you have this kind of... And you guys stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with them today. Great music, Pastor. I want to tell you that. And I go to a lot of different churches, and I can't say that in a lot of places I go. You are blessed. Don't ever forget how fortunate you are to have a group with that kind of quality and that kind of a spirit to lead you in praising the Lord. They did a fantastic job. And if I don't get a chance to tell them personally, would you please tell them how much I appreciate it? And I'm weighing them against the best that there is out there. So... Th thanks to you, Pastor, for having a wonderful service to start with. Man, if you can't preach today, just get out of the business, right? I mean, it was good. Um, anyway, thanks again for all that you've done to bless us for so many years and to help us do what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to read the scripture, and I hate to ask you to do this, but could you just stand so when I read, uh, we, we honor the Lord here? It's just one verse of scripture, but you're probably going to want to change your position anyway. Father, bless us today as we consider your word, and I pray somehow, O oh Lord, that it will become so effective in our hearts, having heard what you have to say today, that our life won't be the same as when we walked in this place, that we'll have a transformation that is so effectual that having left this place today and reordering the priorities of our lives, we will literally impact this world in which we live so that the results and the destiny of those that we touch will be changed for eternity, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Reading from John chapter 10, verse 10, an old version of the Bible that you may not even have ever heard for years now. The King James Version says this in verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy... I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God bless you. You may be seated. And you can say amen to that. Amen. amen. <clears throat> the place that we're serving in there in Thailand is known as the Golden Triangle. It is that infamous place on the planet where Myanmar, which you know better as Burma, and Thailand and Laos all come together. 95% of the drug arrests that are made 
in the nation of Thailand are made right in the province, right there where we're serving. It is a place that is known for drug uh, use. It is a place that's known for, for human suffering, human trafficking, and prostitution. You know, when Debbie and I first went to Thailand, because Thailand has a reputation also of being a great tourist paradise, and it is a wonderful place to visit, and you will see many things there, and the dollar spins very well because uh, of the exchange rate. I mean, it's just a good place to go and have a holiday if you're everything. But that, that first year that we were there, there were 6 million tourists that came to Thailand. 70% of them were unaccompanied men. It's pretty obvious why they were coming. This past year, even with, in light of all the difficulty that we've had in the Asian economies and, and tourism slowing down in that part of the world, there were still 23 million people that came as tourists. I'm sure you can do the math. Every day that the sun rises over the Golden Triangle, those ruthless agents scour the mountainous villages of the hill tribe people of northwestern Thailand. They're there to try to enslave young children into human trafficking and play out their blatant abuses against them. It's always the same. They promise them some kind of good future ahead, and what it ends up being is that they are trafficked into prostitution. They're taken to a local brothel where they are forced into carnal relations 12 to 15 times a day, unprotected. Of course, the AIDS infection demographic among their people group is above 80%. So serving in that industry is tantamount to a death sentence. And when they contract the AIDS virus, of course, they're no good to them anymore. So they literally toss them out on the garbage heap of life and they die a painful, agonizing death. Recently, I mean, uh, you know, having a drug-related kind of environment there in the province, they quite often set up little... Uh, roadside uh, checks of vehicles that are passing through just in case. I mean, not long ago, they stopped a vehicle that was coming through and discovered 380,000 methamphetamine tablets in that vehicle. Of course, that uh, recognition led them to hunt for the source, and just about 20 miles away, they found the place where they were headed, and there were more than 1 million methamphetamine tablets in that little small residence there that were going to be visited upon that population. Uh, another roadside check revealed a truck that was supposedly carrying 55-gallon drums full of diesel fuel. And in tapping the barrels and just checking to see, just a quick spot check, and then they were supposed to be on their way, they discovered not all those barrels had diesel fuel in them. Several of those barrels had girls that had been stuffed down inside that were being trafficked to the local brothel. It's nothing more than what we read right there in verse 10. It's the devil at work, friends. He's out to steal their hope, to kill their innocence, and to destroy their future. About 21 years ago, Deb and I were working. By the way, we've been missionaries for 33 years. And in fact, this year, Pastor, we celebrate our 45th anniversary. She somehow decided to stick with a bald-headed guy, you know. Uh, Twenty-one years ago, we were working in a slum in Bangkok. We were doing a lot of things. I didn't mention this to the other group, but, you know, when you're a missionary, you wear a lot of hats, and that probably, the, the, the significant hair loss can be attributed to no oxygen getting to your head or something like that. But uh, we were pastor in the international church there in Bangkok. We, we were in charge of the literature, translation, and distribution. I had a busting loose gang mobbing 
we'd opened up 12 prisons to the proclamation of the gospel. We were baptizing people inside of the prisons. God was working out great things. I was making surreptitious trips into uh, Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia to help pioneer those fields there. I mean, I was a busy guy. God had opened up an opportunity for us to to do some work among the hill tribe people. And we were, I was working with a young national pastor and, and we were enjoying such great success that we decided, even though we're centered in Bangkok, we're going to need to establish a beachhead up there in, in the Chiang Rai province, up in the northwest part of Thailand. So we won't have to be going back and forth all the time. Let's, let's start a church there. That's what we thought we were going to do. And that was our plan. And Debbie's going to help me show you what really happened. Instead of a church plant, it became this. Innocence stolen, hope destroyed. This is the inheritance of the daughters of Thailand. Bangkok, Thailand harbors one of the largest sex rings in the world. Little girls as young as 10 years old are deceived, sold, or even kidnapped into a life of destitution and pain. The majority of the children trapped in this treacherous web come from the remote, poverty-stricken hill tribe villages of the north. Brothel owners convince families to sell their daughters to pay off debts. Others are unknowingly deceived into sending their girls to Bangkok by men who promise career opportunity and a better life. In the end, the story is the same. Innocence is violently stripped from a mother's daughter, a brother's sister, an uncle's niece. Trapped in the hands of the wicked, hope is broken. Yet God has placed a tremendous burden on the heart of one who has seen the effects of this tragedy. Pastor Supot, an Assemblies of God church planter in Chiang Rai, Thailand, has taken on the challenge of this burden. He established the Chiang Rai Girls Home to provide a safe haven and give these girls a chance at life before Bangkok's brothel owners snatch that life away. The girls are given a safe place to live with food and clothing. They are given education opportunities that make possible an independent, self-supporting life. Most importantly, these girls are taught about the love of God. When girls come to live in the Chiang Rai Girls Home, they are immediately encouraged to get involved in the evangelistic outreach that defines Supot's vision. He trains the girls in music and ministry to send them back to their home villages to share the gospel and lay the foundation for future churches. Through Pastor Supot and the Chiang Rai Girls Home, this terrible inheritance of the daughters of Thailand is being averted. Thailand's daughters are being rescued with the message of Jesus Christ. Innocence saved, hope restored. There's probably not a day goes by that Debbie and I don't thank God for the chance to make the difference in the lives of these young people. Uh, we had a lot more kids at the children's home than we have right now. I mean, everybody suffered during the economic recession here in America, and of course that bleeds down to your donor base. We lost 35% of the donations, and by the way, I'm not asking you for money, so I'm just telling you the facts here. 
we lost 35% of the donations in that first year of economic difficulty here in America. The next year, another 30%. So we decided if we're going to maintain our outreach and keep on doing what we're doing, we have to stop at a safe level where we know we can maintain and, and provide the needs. We now have 150 kids at any one time there at the children's home. And uh, sometimes we, we cover everything from children that are, that are infants all the way up to kids that are in their early 20s. Um, these are hill tribe children. I mean, I don't know if the picture really showed you that well or not, but they live in a jungle environment. I mean, there's no running water. There is no electricity. They've never seen a TV, never heard of a radio. I mean, they are on the backside of the earth. It's not the end of the earth, but it's the same zip code, if you know what I mean. These kids really have no opportunities. About the only contact from the outside is when somebody comes that promises this future that I talked about, except when we come and we preach the gospel in their villages and we give them opportunities. During the course of having done this, we get noticed by the local authorities. In fact, we are now an established foundation with the Thai government with enough credibility that they literally came to us one day and said, hey, we have the prison out here where, where women go and are confined because of all the drug abuse and the drug trafficking. We have this prison, and some of the women who come in are pregnant when they enter the prison, and they give birth to babies, and we don't know what to do with these babies. After 18 months, they're not allowed to be in contact with the mother anymore, and the, the, the sentences are sometimes life, 35, you know, ranging, I think the smallest is 10 to 15 years. They're never going to be a part of this child's life is what it works out to. And they said, we've got some babies. Would you be willing to take them in and, and help them? We've watched you. Now, this is a Buddhist government. This is a Buddhist prison warden. This is a Buddhist prison system that is saying to a Christian group, and remember, Thailand is 95% Buddhist, 4% Islamic, less than one-half of 1% is considered to be evangelically Christianized. They are saying to us, we took one look at the love you pour into the lives of these children. We took one look at the results that you're seeing in the lives of making them good citizens and helping them along the way, and we believe the best opportunity these kids are ever going to have is for them to be placed in your hands. That's a testimony to the kingdom of God, my friends. You don't just get saved to have fire insurance to stay out of hell. You get saved to be productive and, and an element of society that can do something in this world. You're saved into a life of service. You realize that, right? You're, you're not just escaping eternal damnation. It's an opportunity to do something with your life that God gives you. Well, they ask us if we take these babies, and of course, you know, we didn't really have expertise in that arena, but God gives it to you. I, I, I don't have really the time to share all the stories. Let me just share a couple of quick ones with you. One of the little kids that came to us was a girl named Miriam. Miriam's father was from Mozambique, so he was a black man. The mother was from Pakistan, you know, an Islamic country. Their byproduct was a little girl that we call Miriam. Miriam is a black child, but she fits in beautifully there at the children's home. She's loved by every single kid that's there. She is such a wonderful testimonial. See, here's the story. The father was trafficking drugs and using his wife to mule the drugs. And, and of course, when the, the, the authorities came, he fled the country and got out of there and saved himself, but left his wife to take the rap. She was facing, because of the amount of drugs, she was facing a future of life in prison there in, in, in Thailand. And let me tell you, the jails aren't pretty there. They're never pretty anywhere, but you don't ever want to end up in a Thai jail. She had a horrible future for herself, and what's going to happen to her daughter? 
I remember looking at the documents that were given to us by the government and realizing this woman's belief that she's ever going to get out of prison, that's gone. The fact that she thinks she's ever going to see her daughter again, no possibility. The day of the trial came. We already had the child in our possession, and her final adjudication was there. Pastor Sapote took Miriam to the courtroom just so that she'd have a chance to see her mother one more time. There in the courtroom, there was an obvious affection that was occurring between the mother and the child, having been separated and now being united for this brief moment. So much so that the Thai judge who was up there in his mind couldn't get his head around it. And so he spoke to, to Pastor Sapote and said, Hey, uh, who are you and who is this child that seems to be making such a, a connection here? And we told him the story about what had happened. He said, you know, I came today in my heart knowing this case for this foreign woman. I was going to throw the full power of Thai law against her today. She was never going to have a chance to get out of prison. But I've seen the love that's being transmitted today. I've heard the story of what you all have done and made a difference in this family. I have changed my mind. I'm going to reduce the sentence so that somewhere down the line, this innocent, sweet little child may have the possibility of seeing her mother one day. That's a God thing, friends. You know? One day we get a call. They said, hey, we've got a little baby boy here. Nobody wants him. Now, at 18 months, they have to be totally taken away from the mother. But in that time from birth up till 18 months, the mother has them uh, starting <clears throat> uh, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And she has them all night till 7 o'clock next morning. Then the child is extracted for them and kept off-site somewhere in a place that really isn't adequate. To, it's nothing more than a cement pad with a little rudimentary fence built around it so the kids can't kind of escape. And, you know, it's not staffed very well. It's mosquito-ridden. I mean, I'm not trying to make a big picture out of this, but that's just the reality of what it is. They said, do you want to go and, and see this little child that may be a possibility? Pastor, we went out there, and, and when we got there, we, we weren't expecting what we found. This little boy, his head, head appeared to be larger than it should be for a child his age. His, his uh, eyes were rolled back in his head so that all that we could really see was the whites of his eyes. He was slobbering all over himself, and, and his head kind of flopped to the side, and, and they told us he'd never spoken a word. I'm going, I don't know if I'm equipped. They didn't teach me in Bible school. They didn't tell me I was going to face stuff like out there. I wasn't prepared for that moment. And so, you know, I, I, the compassion welled up in our hearts. And I told Debbie, take this Lord. We called him David. I said, take a little David and hold him in your arms. And I just began to utter a, a prayer that was more of an agony coming from my soul, seeing the desperation of this child. I said, oh, God, I don't know what to do for him. I don't know how to care for a child like this. Just give us the chance that we could do something. Three weeks later, we got the word that David was going to be put in our care. I, I don't know how to explain the transformation other than it's just God doing it. If you were to see David today, he's not the same kid. In fact, he's a holy terror. <laughs> I say that affectionately. This kid who couldn't speak He'll wear you out talking to you. And the kid that didn't want to be around anybody, didn't look like he could ever end up being coordinated at all. Listen, when I hit the campus there of the children's home there in Chiang Rai, Thailand, soon as I get there, he makes a beeline from where he's at, runs like a Comanche coming after me, man. 
I'm telling you, he's only about this tall, but he's dangerous to male anatomy. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, man. <laughs> that kid has crossed my eyes so many times. <laughs> uh, I learned how to greet him like this. Hey, bud. <laughs> By the way, Pastor, I noticed that little NFL pose you had there with the deflate gate football, you know, kind of in your face, Tom Brady, wasn't it? There, that you pose you were giving, yeah. Um, David's incredible. If you hand him a microphone and stand him on the platform there in the church, the chapel there on the, at the children's home property, that kid will take that microphone and, I mean, he'll snatch it out of your hands. You don't have to try to coerce him. He'll grab it. He'll jump up on that platform and he will recite full chapters of the Bible for you, word for word, and never miss a lick. It's amazing what God can do whenever you give a little love, a little compassion, and the mighty power and transformation grace of Jesus Christ in a human life. I mean, there's so many other kids I'd love to tell you about, like Sari. Sari was a girl that lived in a village that all the girls were being trafficked out of that village by these ruthless agents, and they were ending up as prostitutes and dying. And there was a woman there in that village who had a beautiful daughter, and she knew what had happened to the other girls, and she did not want, she was part of the Yao tribe. And she did not want her daughter to end up that way. And even though she wasn't a Christian, she had heard about us there in Chiang Rai. And so from her remote village, she sends word and we make connection. And Sari comes and lives at the children's home. And right away, she began to blossom. I mean, she's the most beautiful young tribal girl that Debbie and I have ever seen. She's as smart as a whip. She's talented. She has an incredible heart for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so much so that... In the course of her growth and development, we began to see real promise and that the call of God was on her life, and we continued to send her to school. She graduated with a bachelor's degree and went on. She today has a master's degree in ministry and is in full-time service in the kingdom of God there in the local church. There was a little girl that was 13 years old. Her name is Rutiwa. Rutiwa's parents were involved in drug trafficking. They were from the Aka tribe. There's actually six tribes in, in northern Thailand, the most predominant being the Aka tribe. And, and the mother and father trafficking these drugs, well, kind of a similar story to the one there that we, that we talked about with Miriam. The father, he ran for cover and let his wife take the, the brunt uh, of the, the, the law that was being leveled against them. And she got convicted and was sent to prison. So in just a heartbeat, this little girl has lost a mother. The father decides it's an inconvenience having a 13-year-old around. So he says, hey, you're going to go out and make your living out there on the streets. He forced her into prostitution while he went and found another woman that made it more convenient for him to reside with. Her father's a drug smuggler. Her mother is a convicted drug drug trafficker. She's expecting sexual abuse because of the trade that she's now involved in, ultimately facing a death sentence. Her future didn't look very good. Let me just put it in fast forward, tell you this. She was one of the first kids that came into the children's home and, and, and God began to do something special. We bought a bunch of sewing machines, Pastor, based on the funds that were available and, and we began to teach the kids because it's no good to send them to school. It's no good to just make them more intelligent. It's no good to clean them up hygienically. It's no good just to make them... Because uh, if we don't give them a way to support themselves, they're just going to be a better product for prostitution when they leave us. So, so we determined we're going to give them some life skills here so they can make it on their own. And we had some sewing machines and we were teaching them sewing. Let me tell you, Rutiwa took to that like a natural. She now makes all the clothes for her family of three children. <clears throat> She's made items for Debbie and I to thank us for. I remember the day that some pastors came, Pastor Ayers, and visited us. And they said, hey, you know, 
tell us about this girl. So we became the interpreter, and she kind of stunned me. She was talking, and they asked questions. They got to the, to the question, well, where's your father? And she turned to where I and Pastor Sapote were standing, pointed at us, and said, that's my dad right there. That'll turn you inside out, friends. God called her into ministry. She married a young man who was also called to ministry. Like I said, they have three fine children. I just saw them last month at the pastor's conference we were putting on. And again, they were saying, you know, how grateful they were for what God had done in their lives and how we had played that big part in there. And, you know, right now, they not only pastor a, a, a church for Aka tribal people, but they head up the spearhead of evangelism for all the Aka tribal people in the northern part of Thailand. That's what God can do. You know, in the course of what we've done there and the many kids that have come through our hands, we saw them through to success because they get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. They have to get their personal area. It's not the military, you know, even though I served, you know, back during the Vietnam War. I didn't set it up this way. It's just the way it works out. They have their personal area clean. Their bunks look as good as anything I ever saw in the military, you know. I mean, we don't bounce Thai coins off of them, but you could, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, by 5.30, they're into devotions, have breakfast, and then they're off. We make 12 round trip trips during the day, taking the kids to all the various programs and schools that they're involved in. At present right now, we have over 200 children that have graduated with bachelor's degrees from that children's home that you help support. We have 30 kids that were did so well in school that, that Australia showed an interest in them, and 30 of those children now are working full-time in Sydney, Australia, because God gave an open doorway for them, and they're evangelizing among any tribal people that they find there. We also have two girls that are in full-time ministry that have master's degrees. I mean, just last, last month, the, the, the other one got her master's degree to join Suri. I mean, God has done an incredible thing. We have 49 of the 150 kids that we have right now that are in vocational school studying, and two of them just got an associate's degree. They're headed to college from there along with other kids that are already in college. I mean, God has done a, a miraculous thing. Do you know that we feed more than one ton of rice every single month? Try to wrap your head, let alone your stomach, around that one. How about a cup of rice? How much does that actually make? You probably can't eat it in one sitting, you know, before it's processed. And we feed one ton of that every single month. Yeah, it's an expensive process. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of compassion. But look at the results. I mean, can you weigh the price of a soul for eternity? And because you've been giving, you've been a part of that. So I'm here today to say to you, in just a moment, your pastor's going to stand up here and he's going to say, one more time, folks, I'm going to appeal to you to become a person who gives a faith promise in this church to make a difference in the world. You know, I told you back at the beginning of the message, before we showed the video, that we went there to plant a church, and this is what happened. What I didn't tell you was that there was no money to plant that church. It was a faith operation by Pastor Sapote and myself. He had no money. I had no missions money dedicated to that process, and so there wasn't a way to get some, and Debbie and I had been saving, putting money aside so that we had foregone any vacations, and we wanted to take our children and do something with them, and so we had saved up a little lump of money so that Debbie and I and our two boys could go on vacation. I got together with Deb, and thank God for a preacher's kid who has a heart. Debbie was called to missions when she was six years old. 
hung on to that and persevered. And, you know, she was so brave that she even picked me to be her husband. Thanks for, uh, you know, uh, inviting me. You know, I didn't need the ring or anything. You'd have to get me that. But, uh, yeah. We took that money. We said, you know what? I don't think we need a vacation. We talked to our boys about it. I don't think we need a vacation. We're going to sow into the kingdom of God. We rented that first little building that you saw somewhere in the video right there. And we started what we thought was going to be a church. And it turned into all this. You can never comprehend when you make a commitment like this face promise what God's going to do when he multiplies the effort. We would have never, ever guessed that that would become the single greatest investment that she and I would ever make this side of eternity. So when you pick this up, you can think, oh, I'm going along with the church's program to give today. I'm going to make Pastor Ayers and, and Carrie very happy because I'm doing what, what the church kind of does every year. You could look at it that way, or you could say, hey, the guy next to me is doing it, and I've kind of come to this church, so maybe it's a good thing for me to, to give like everybody else does to show that I'm kind of participating along with everyone else. You could rationalize that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That could be a reason for giving. But if you want the number one reason why you should give, it's because you are charting the destiny. You are carving the future for somebody on the other side of this planet that you may never, ever get a chance to meet. But God will take that. He will multiply your sacrifice and turn it into something truly incredible in the kingdom of God. Father, thank you for the hearts of these people who've listened intently today. I thank you, Lord, that the potentiality exists today for us to do something so far beyond ourselves, so incredible. Once you set heaven's multiplication tables into motion, something terrific is going to happen here in the lives of people in Life Church, Salt Lake City. So I pray today, Lord, that you'll send the Holy Ghost into this place, that he'll traverse every single aisle that's here. He'll move into these individual seats to take up residence with every single person and to help us understand we've got to have an agony in our soul, a fire in our spirit, a, a blaze in our heart that will never let us pillow our head for another comfortable night's rest until we first cry with integrity in our soul, Lord, I know that I've done every single thing I can to reach the lost of this world. Help me today to do something so significant that it literally transforms somebody else. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you express your appreciation? Thank you, Terry. Our theme this year is right behind me here, any place, any price, so all can hear. God, you know, it reminds me of a song that we sang a lot when I was a kid, as some of you maybe will remember it, said, I'll, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, or mountain, or plain, or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. And, you know, just telling you the kind of commitment I grew up with as a kid. And I remember the missionaries, they would come and they would, we would all stand and at the end of the service, They'd say every teenager in this place who could make that kind of commitment and say, God, I'll be what you want me to be and I'll go where you want me to go. I'll pay any price. I'll go any place so all can hear. If you were willing to make that commitment, the teenagers would come 
and we would stand and offer our lives in dedication to God and say, this, thing's, this thing called life is more than just about me. This thing called life is about others. It's about touching a world. And God, I'll do what you want me to do. And through the course of the years, the, that group of kids that came forward all those years ago, many of them are pastors today at churches. Many of them are missionaries in foreign fields and are touching the world. And it all gets back to having a commitment that says, God, I'll go where you want. I'll be what you want. I'll say what you want me to say. Here's my life. I dedicate it to you. I was thinking while you were speaking, Terry, that this may be the last year we have. You say, what are you talking about? I'm saying that Jesus Christ could come at any time. That we're that close. And what we do for God, we've got to do now. Because Jesus said, work while it is day. Because the night will come when no one will be allowed to work again. And I don't know with all that's happening in the world, how much longer you'll be able to stay in Thailand. How much longer we'll be able to have ministries in, in China or, or in South America or even here in the United States, the way we're seeing things go. How much longer will we have the freedoms that we have today? How much longer till Jesus comes back? We got to do what we do now because the time will come when we can't anymore. It'll be too late. It'll be over. I was raised with that kind of belief and I still hold it to my heart even today that this is the hour this is the time now if you're a guest with us we don't expect your participation in this unless you feel like God wants you to that's your business but if you're a regular attender of our church you consider this your church family I'm going to have our ushers uh, pass out the card that Terry was holding off it's holding on to it's called my missions faith promise card here it's so all can hear and I, I just want to tell you what a, a faith promise is a faith promise is not a pledge a pledge is an un, it's it's an unbreakable vow when you pledge something you say I'm going to do this and 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 you're committed to it and there are consequences if you don't that's not what this is this is a promise it's a faith promise it's you saying, this is what I believe God wants to do through my life over and above my tithe in 2016. You say to yourself, how in the world did Life Church give over $470,000 above their tithe to getting the cause of the gospel out around the world? How in the world did our church do that? We don't have that many people. And it's because everybody does something. It's amazing what can happen when you, everybody does something. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. When, when I'm willing to say with what God has entrusted to me that I'm going to give some of that to the cause of getting the, the message around the world, it's amazing when everybody does that, the difference that can make. Some of us will give 10 or 20 or $50 a month, and some of you will give hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month over and above your tithe to, to this cause. And that's how it happens. And I want to thank you for what you did last year, but I'm going to ask you to re-up again this year. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is, it, it kind of tells us here on the card, if you'll read it with me. It says, as God enables me, I will take the message of Jesus into all the world by giving through the missions program of my local church. And as a box there for a weekly faith promise, if you want to give weekly that's fine we send them in monthly so what we're really looking for is a monthly faith promise and 
you know, just put your name down there. And if, if we, you think we don't have your address or whatever, go ahead and put your address down there and uh, sign it, if you will. And then what you can do with the card is you can fill out the right side of the card, too, and you, and you just uh, tear it off at the perforation. And we're going to collect this part, the bigger part, in just a moment. The smaller part is for you to keep, and it'll remind you to pray for missions and for missionary for Terry and Debbie. It'll remind you to pray about your faith promise. And, and whatever you believe God wants you to do, you'll have it on that. You'll fill that in in that little blank space there. And you maybe can put it on your refrigerator or may, use it as a bookmark in your Bible or something. And every time you see it, you pray, God, work a miracle through me, work a miracle through me, work a miracle through me. And that's all this is about, is us believing that God can work a miracle through us. And so I'm going to ask you to take the next minute now to just fill that out. And if you say, I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that today, you can turn it in next Sunday if you wish. But today the iron is hot right now. Let, let's 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 let God speak to us right now and if you will I'm asking you to participate in this we're not making this an obligation it's an opportunity for you to be a part of something bigger than you something that has global implications for the world I'm gonna ask our ushers to come now at this time and uh, if you would just take your cards and pass them to one end or the other of your row. Uh, you can kind of put them down, face down, so nobody else needs to know what you committed to. And um, just pass those down the row, please, and let, her, let us collect those. And uh, then we will, we will look at them. <laughs> we will look at, at them at, at the end of the service, and we'll see what God has done through you, what kind of faith commitment that you have made. And it could be you say, well, you know, I don't like filling that card out. I just give. Well, that's okay, too. <laughs> you know, you don't have to fill the card out. Um, but this is a point of us making a commitment to the Lord, and God can really use it. So thank you in advance for all that you're willing to do for God's kingdom. I want you to know something, and I say this with full integrity. Every penny that you give to this church for missions goes. We don't keep one single penny of it here. It goes where you have said that it should go. And so, um, and that has always been that way. We don't skim anything off the top. It all goes to the, the direction that you make for it. Okay, let's stand together. Thank you for your faithful. If you, if you uh, signed up to be a part of the missions banquet, that'll start at one o'clock this afternoon down in the gymnasium so probably just want to hang here and go on down into the gym but if you do leave be back by then we have a great meal for you down there we're joining together with mountain view christian assembly so the two churches will be together down there we're going to have a great time father i'm just thanking you for the commitment of your people to the cause of missions would you add unto them 30 60 and 100 fold blessing upon their lives may they fulfill what they have promised unto you lord and we commit this into your hands that the whole world might know Jesus. And we pray it in your holy name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.